Hello, and welcome to Conversations with Kari. I'm your host, Kari Filer. In today's episode, I'm talking with my friend and neighbor, Adam. We discuss LA traffic, the prospect of children, the gaming industry, American football, the existence of the human spirit, Christianity, early Christianity, science, Elon Musk, corporate culture, the value of our data, basic income, and other topics. You might notice that this show has gone into a bit of a hiatus for the past six months. That's uh, because I lost track of my own mind at the beginning of this year. Uh, what else can I say? I think I have a hold of it again, uh, but the show isn't dead. I'm just going to drop it at whatever cadence comes naturally to me. That might be every other week, might be every week, might be every six months. I don't know what the future holds, but as long as I can afford to pay GoDaddy for this website, this podcast is alive. I hope you enjoy the show. So we are live uh, with attempt number one. Thank you so much, Adam, for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me, man. Happy to be here. So please uh, introduce yourself to the handful of people that are listening. All right. I am Adam, a friend of Kari. Our dogs are pals. Um, I'm yeah, a realtor. Yep, yep, they are. Hank and, uh, I don't know, can I say your dog's name? Absolutely, Tupac. Yeah. Okay. Tupac, Tupac Prince Filer. His full name is Tupac Prince Filer. Oh, nice. And Hank is Hank the Tank Orozco. Terrific. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they're buddies. I think that's how we kind of got close, right? Mm-hmm. Through the dogs. Mm-hmm. And he said you're a realtor. I'm a realtor, yep. Um, in the uh, Los Angeles and Orange County area. No. You know, shame, shameless plug right there. Is that your <laughs> is that your final field? How long have you been in realty? Is do you see yourself staying there a yes. long time? I yes, I, I like it. I've been in it for about ten years. So I do real estate and some property management. Hmm. Um, I've done it for yeah, like ten years. I say. Uh, started out because my dad's in real estate, and oh, wow. yep, yeah, I got in because. Uh, he was doing really well, and this was during the uh, financial crisis, mm. and there was a lot of uh, bank-owned properties and short sales, and mm. um, so I started as his assistant and as a short sale negotiator, and um, kind of grew from there into into what it is now. So, oh, yeah, awesome. I like it. Yeah, yeah, it, it's uh, it's so a you bonded with your dad in this industry. Yeah. Absolutely no, That's and powerful. we remain. Yeah, we remain close, and mm. we still work together to this day. Not on every single transaction, but on you know quite a few of them, and um, it's helped our relationship a ton. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. Um, make your father proud. Is a, is that's a meme for a reason. That's in our bones, yeah. right? That's in our genes. Make your father oh, proud. Yeah. That's that's written on human DNA. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure if like any psychologists are listening, there's some like deep rooted. You know, psychological issues in there and why oh, following yeah. your father's footsteps. Well, but, and uh, rescue your father from the beast. It, right, right, exactly. Yeah, now he gets to uh, chill out a little bit. He has grandkids and, you know, doesn't have to work as hard, so that's good. And I take on some of that, that brunt of the workload and just the day-to-day. So, you know, it works out, and it's a nice way to stay connected with him. And, uh, I, I mean, I enjoy it. I can tell he does, too, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, family is number one. Family is number one, as they say. I mean, mm. that's a whole other topic. <laughs> but I think family, yeah, is number one. If, if you have 
uh, a good and positive familial relationship. If not, I think you create your family, and then I guess it's true yep. that you create family, and then that's, that's right. that saves them. That's what yeah. friends are. Friends are the family right. you choose. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're 100 percent right. Do you have uh, a good friends group? I do. I do. Mm. Yeah, I've been really lucky, man. I have a, a really good friends group that I've stayed close with for probably around the last eight to ten years as well. We've mm. we've been stay tight. I just saw them last weekend at a wedding. Nice. One of my buddies, yeah, up in Pasadena, and you know it's tough now living in Orange County and them all mostly in LA. So it is gotta, for like, the traffic adds up once you're going once you're crossing that county line. I don't think people outside of Southern California realize it, but I mean you might as well live in a different state yeah. from LA, LA County to Orange County because if like, you're in LA, you're trapped. You can't you can't go right. anywhere without maximum effort. To move right, in any even, direction. Even within LA, like one of my best friends from college lives on the west side, mm-hmm. right? And so for like, you know, the west side is like Brentwood or that, you know, uh-huh. past the 405, right? And I was living in Glendale before I moved to Orange County. Okay. And like, we live in essentially the same city, but we never saw each other. Yeah. Because it's just a pain in the ass to get to Brentwood. That's right. You know? Like, it's just, you kind of form like a little bubble and you stay in it and you got to be really diligent and like... um really committed to doing something if you're gonna you know cross the freeway if you're gonna deal with the 405 for somebody it's got to be really intentful if you could have 10 million dollars and pick any 20 million dollars let's say and pick any house in la what what area do you live in uh and why oh in la or southern california Within Los Angeles County, Los Angeles County. Yeah. Okay, I'm probably I'm probably going up back up to like Pasadena, up in the hills. Really, up to wealthy yeah. Pasadena, nice Pasadena, wealthy, quiet yeah, Pasadena, nice. safe Pasadena. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. I almost yeah, got I'm shot probably... in Pasadena. It wasn't in that part. <laughs> Pasadena is so weird. <laughs> Pasadena is weird because then you can see you know people living the the big life in the mansions, hanging out, having a good time, mm-hmm. living in this. Bubble, and then you can drive two blocks down the like Caltech Lincoln. part of Pasadena. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or you go down like you know Washington or Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Whenever there's president names on streets, by the way, it seems like it always gets a little dodgier. It does. Um, that means because that right. means the public owns it, and once the public exactly. owns it, nobody has responsibility. Exactly. It's everybody's it's like responsibility, same. and it's no one's. It's like the same way how every time they rename a street Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, yep. it's always in a really shitty neighborhood. Yep. It sucks. Um, but yeah, but I'm that's be, I think that's because the name followed the grime more than it didn't. Just go with this is a really tough area. People are having a really hard time here. Let's help them out. Let's rename the street <laughs> to MLK because that'll inspire them to live right. in MLK. And then you rename the street, and then the people do the same thing. So oh same thing gosh, they were doing. Optics. You can call the street optics, whatever you want. Yeah. yeah, optics are really a driving force in politics. My goodness. It's so funny. Yeah, instead of doing anything for it, like, we're not even going to repave the street. We're just going to put a new sign. Yeah, in. for real. Repave it. Yeah. Don't rename yeah. it. Repave it. That's a good point. Yeah, just, Thank yeah, you, Adam. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah repave, not yeah. rename. That's going to be my political slogan. Yeah, that's what, okay. Okay. Where I tell yeah. you, I would go, and I think this, I guess this is what made me think of the question, is I definitely try to find my way into that pocket where you go and it's quiet it's it's north of santa monica south of malibu uh 
you know, west of the 405, yeah. that that Brentwood area, that little pocket down there. I don't, I forget what those yeah, names right. are called. But when I drove Uber, I would go over there and I'd grab the shiny little kids and you know yeah. drive them home. And I'd go, "Geez, yeah. Louise, you go, how are you? You guys are living. This isn't isn't um. And see, I feel a little guilty because that style of living. I don't know that that's possible for 8 billion people. So it no. makes me think, okay, well, this type of, this isn't the way we got to out, out export, you know, from the, our culture. We can't export this. Who, you know, this is only for a few. Um, right. But sure, it is nice. Sure is nice. So I'd like to give it a shot. Yeah, right. Yeah, you, know? you and me both. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And if I'm in that part of LA, I think I'm going to the Palisades. Yeah, over there, that area. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That area is beautiful. Talk about peaceful. Yeah. But then, you, yeah. are you worried about? See, then I'm worried about my kids coming up with more, yeah, psychological trouble because it's so socially, you, it's hard to find your direction because everything's provided for, and so they go through their yeah. own little dramas of of having everything, right? Because I had the when I came up, I had the dramas of not having everything, yeah. but you know, but we had enough, right? And so it was, it right. was, it was in the nice middle, and right. I aspire to the top, but I don't want to rob my kids of that middle experience. Cause, that's true, you know. But that's kind of in conflict. Anyway, I don't have any kids. Do you have any kids? I don't have any kids. No, just just mm. the dog. But uh, yeah, we, Rachel and I were just talking about this, um, and I was just saying in the car the other day after we had just driven by some like extreme ridiculous wealth in Orange County, and and I was just like, you know what? If we ever had kids, I, I would want them to be raised like if they were poor. Mm, you know, mm. or at least not poor, but like you know, regardless of our our situation, a visceral feel for the have-nots. Right, we're and trying we to were, become the haves, but we want our kids to feel for the have-nots. Right, right, and I don't want them to know that everything is just granted them because of their status in mm, life. Mm. You know, like you got to work for some things. You're not just gonna get it because of who you are. Maybe it'll change when we pop them out. I think that's oh what my god, <laughs> I'm sure, right? They go, exactly. they go well when you pop them out, and then they just go, okay, give them everything. Get them, yeah, get them the world, capture the world for them. I'm prepared for yeah, that. Yeah, I'm as such well. a sucker, man. I know. I got nephews and nieces and whatever they need something. I'm like, all right, let's do it. You need a new bubble machine? Cool, yeah. man. Let's go get it. Yeah. But it's hard to, I mean, Southern California, the cost of living, I mean, gas is, I, I drove around. I went past a, what, a 599, a 640, 629. 639 finally saw a 595 and pulled in and got it and that was the deal yeah. on, on the gas that i saw last yep. week uh you know yeah. the housing prices down here it's it's suffocating man people don't you know unless you're down here i, I suppose in new york it's it's going to some other level as well but so right. but here in new york it's it's suffocating the housing prices yeah up, yeah it's new york la or southern california and you know more than anyone yeah no it's you ridiculous. really know yeah we're really creating a larger generational gap between like you said the haves and the haves not mm. right now and mm. it's it's not slowing down and and i don't see how it does i mean it, everything's becoming more expensive you might make more money but you're not taking home more money and you know yeah yeah your numbers going up but you know what all the numbers are going up and the other numbers are going up right. faster than your wages so exactly oh you, yeah you oh. may be getting that two percent raise i got so offended i was at this job i worked for a year and then they offered me i think what did they offer me a grand on they offered me from 60 to 61 and oh, i said okay God. that's that's your, the year over year 60 to 61 uh i feel i feel rewarded i feel <laughs> invested yeah. in yeah oh yeah totally yeah. 
at least they didn't give you a, like a pizza party or a free lunch or something. Well, yeah, I, speaking of the lunch, no, the lunch they did was terrific. So this place, uh, I, I look, my my refrigerator while I was working here was liquids only. That's all I needed because they catered on Monday, catered on Wednesday, catered on Friday. And then the leftovers were there on Tuesday and Thursday. And they had a permanent dry snack shelf. So. Oh I just all you had to do was leave the house. You didn't have to bring anything with you if you wanted to. But that's how they get you, right? That's how these companies get you. They, no, they, no, no. They, the spirit very much was yeah. we're doing well, so we're all doing well, and they just provided an awesome kitchen because they could. Uh, and right. I really appreciated that about their spirit. Now, it, you know, they were doing really, really well. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah. rewarding us really well, so they were keeping one of the release of themselves. But the the company was was booming, so yeah, yeah, there was a bounty. Yeah, but that's what companies do, right? They'll instead of giving you a better wage to or to compete with like the living standard, sure, they're just gonna stock you to uh, stock you up at work and keep you happy while you're in the office and keep you at the office. But once you get home, you're like, ah, shit, I can't afford any of this stuff. Yeah, no, I at, couldn't. Eat at work. And, and actually, that was the math I did. And then probably the math they did was that they f- they probably fed me four thousand dollars worth of food over the course of the year. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, and that's a decent estimate. So, right. I mean, and so I they they but they then they calculate that. And so I I you know what? Don't cater. Pay me the sixty five k. Is that a better trade? Is that, <laughs> is that a better trade in perpetuity? Maybe. I think so. I think sure, so because then sure. sixty five. Yeah, quit taxing me up front. 70. How about just right. give me the cash? Right. <laughs> That's why when people try to act nice and proper and and not eat a lot when something's catered at the office are fools. Mm. Listen, you get two plates. That's right? right. Yeah, go nuts. You pile that on there. <laughs> don't care what anybody else says or thinks because eat. they all wish they had a second plate too. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's a bounty, and I, I love that. Yeah. No, it's great. Yeah, I'm with it. <laughs> yeah, I met a lot of people uh, at that company that were into really pro-corporate, you know, culture and used a lot of team analogies. We're the team, get across the finish line, and the home run, touchdowns, and, you know, they yeah. a, lot, a lot of sports analogies. Uh, and <laughs> it was cool, but at the end of the day, you know, me, I can't vibe if I'm not on mission with my group and you know my my mission right now is video game dev so until i'm a video game dev you know i'm on mission enough with whatever i'm doing to get the job done but i'm not in my heart on mission right Uh, right and i won't be until we're making awesome games and yeah yeah, exactly i know right that's just that's That's gotta be really cool industry to be in though but although i've heard horror stories that the gaming industry is like notoriously terrible to their employees um but it's got to be cool to create something that people love and will enjoy and you know yeah, will help them it. create reality it, yeah. i mean i would say that there are a couple of bad uh groups that kind of tarnish the name of the industry by being Does big. one so, of them rhyme with wizard yeah yeah, yeah. riot and blizzard so riot and blizzard <laughs> guys got with it yeah yeah they they had their scandals and i think i think blizzard's was less deserved than riots 
Um, you know, Blizzard, they made missteps, obviously, with the China thing, but by, by what the, the trophy, the guy, you know, the China guy in the trophy, I yeah. forget the details, but they misstep with that. Um, you know, and they they did some bad corporate speak, and of course, the Diablo Immortals going to be a disaster. But that's to me, that's a foul ball, right? Whereas what uh, Riot did, apparent, I really believe Riot had a bad culture inside of that building. Uh, that there was just there's there was just tox, toxic culture, and yeah. they'd never and they knew it was there, and they just laughed it off. They said, "What? Well, whatever," because we are shedding that. Uh, you know, smack women on the ass, you know, and say, ah, thanks. There you go. Toots. You know, we're 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 shedding that culture uh, slowly. And, yeah. You know, yeah. Not, I think not, Riot not, was not. just a little pocket of that. But the whole industry is is indie games. It's um, ja- the Japanese gaming culture. Right. The the global yeah. gaming culture. Look at Twitch. Right. It's it's Amazon right. games. Now look at the engines. Look at Unreal. Look at Unity. Look what's going on there. So that's Crazy. the gaming industry. Right. The gaming industry is much, much more than a couple of companies with bad culture. Dude, I feel like such a dinosaur when I talk about the gaming industry with like my brothers in laws or anybody really who's into it because I am still of that. Like, how are you just like sitting around on YouTube or on Twitch watching someone play a video game? Like, this is crazy to me. Oh, um, it's art, but it's art. See, I that's know, that's what games. So, the, gaming is so beautiful because there are only so many reactions one can have to the state of ignorance and fear in which we exist. Because we wake up on a floating orb and we don't know why and we don't know what we've come from (laughs) so we wake up here we don't know why we don't know what we've come from it's frightening to the core we're surrounded by nothing but blackness right to the core yeah and we're gonna die one two there's your one two punch it's dark and you're gonna die and there's nothing you can do about it (laughs) so dark and you're gonna die yeah and there's nothing you can do about it. So the reaction coffee this morning. You're talking about dark. <laughs> <laughs> I've got. I'm like three quarters of the way through my first. Class. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Uh, I'm, I'm following. You're you following along. So yeah, all right. with this truth in hand, there are only so many reactions that make sense. One of them is to bury your head in the sand, and that's one that I have a leaning towards. And that's the one I exercise as a kid and I would use games. I would say, oh, I get out of this world and go into games. So that's my disposition. Yeah, yeah. My disposition is towards that reaction. Now, as a, m- a more mature adult, understanding that that's my disposition, I do work to guard against it to make sure that I'm not just drifting into fantasy, that I'm still in contact with what's going on, right? Hey. And so that's the work that I have to do to, to maintain my position. Uh, but those are my leanings and what and there's something similar to burying your head in the sand, which is burying your head in art. What is art? Yeah. Art is expression of others because you're not the only one. It's frightening to be on this floating orb in blackness, but you're not the only one. We're here together. And so you can look at the at the emotional expression of others and say, look how this one expressed. I feel that. Look how this one expressed. I feel that. And so consuming art is a better version of burying your head in the sand is burying your i bury my head in the art and i haven't found the bottom uh and i love video games because it's interactive is they're the artists the 3d artists the texture artists the sound artists the game designers the programmers and then the overall experience and then when you add in mods come on (laughs) it's it's a community of art and we're all just expressing emotion uh in in pursuit of beauty and truth i guess yeah, and I guess there, you're right. There is something to watching an expert or an artist do what they do and do it well. I mean, mm. Mm. Uh, these people who are who are being watched are either phenomenal 
at gaming mm -hmm. or, you know, phenomenal at creating content other ways. Yep. Uh, so I, I like watching sports. I mean, I watch you experts, do? but they do at the highest level. And you're, you know, I guess. What's your, what, is, what, tell me, tell me what makes your heart race the most. What, what, what's the context in which you're watching sports and your heart is just thump, thump, thumping out of your chest? Is there one? Uh, I, dude, I love competition. So I love watching teams compete. Okay. Um, I love baseball and football the most because those are the two that I played the most and was best at. So, okay. Um, I think football probably is the one that gets me wired the most. Okay. Like gets the juices flowing just sure. because I played football at a really high level and I got recruited to play in college, um, before I walked away with injuries. Um, so there's something like innately relatable to when I watch football players do their thing. Right. So like, I understand the verbiage. I understand mm. the plays. I understand what it takes to be mm. a football player. And um, you can, you can, when you watch football, you can see the three, two zone happening while it's happening yeah. against the, yeah. you know, draw or whatever and then go oh and then, then this you can see and you can see yeah. which linebacker missed or stuff like that you can see the oh, details yeah. as they're happening and stuff like that yeah. yeah yeah absolutely like if you know when they line up to to at uh, the line of scrimmage and um i see that they're in um you know a, th a three four with a linebacker um you know creeping up to the line of scrimmage on the weak side and you see the quarterback calling audible and they're probably going to switch out of you know a pass play to a run on onto the strong side and like it's just it's just fascinating to me, and I love mm. it. Um, cool. But you have yeah. a favorite team? I grew up a Raider fan. Okay. Uh, I adopted hole. the Rams. Huh? You black hole. The black hole. Yep, yeah, I know. Right. My dad and my uncle were Raider fans, and they were in LA when I was growing up as a kid in my formidable years. So, um, yeah, love the Raiders. I'm I love the Rams too, though. I mean, a lot of people think you shouldn't be able to do that, but. And the Raiders have done me dirty for so long, and mm. it's nice to have a team in L.A. and that's local. Um, so I've jumped on the bandwagon of the Rams, and I'm I'm all in, and I have Ram shirts now nice. too. But I think you know the Raiders is that first love, though. Okay. You know the one that's hard to okay. shake, even though they've they've used and abused you for so long. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. That that's that's what Raider fandom is. Yeah. You just it's Stockholm syndrome your whole life, and you're hoping that you. You know, the next day will be better, but it's Jeez. usually not. Yeah, that's Raider fan. That's what it is. Yeah, see, I'm a I'm a L.A. fan, so yeah. I'm always root for L.A. and I'm yep. a root for the Lakers first, because as far as I know, what once they weren't they the mini Minnesota Lakers, they were somewhere, yeah, yeah and yeah, then yeah, they Minnesota came Lakers. to L.A. and stayed, and so. Yeah. Thank you for representing, and then they won us a bunch of championships, and you know Hollywood Showtime. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I so, love Lakers too. I'm a big Laker fan. Um, so yeah, I'm going Lakers, Dodgers, Rams slash Raiders, LA Kings, LAFC for soccer. I just yeah, I love the city. I grew up in LA, so you know those are my teams. I I, I feel like that um, that familial connection. Hmm. To, to those LA teams, especially growing up in LA, going to sporting events with my dad and my uncles, and later when I can go on my own, like with buddies going to the Dodger game and sitting up in the cheap seats, um, getting a hot dog and beer, like it's just it's the best. Yeah, spending quality time with the people you love. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. That's a and good reaction to the void. Yeah, 
Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah, feeling. I'm I'm more of an extrovert. So with the with when the void hits, uh, I I gravitate towards people. So um, I get a lot of thrill and energy off of the energy of others, um, and I, I I enjoy being part of that. I enjoy being part of that of a, of a group and you know vibing with the thoughts and opinions and whatever. Anybody Are you else? good at meeting new people? Are you good in like at a yeah. party? Like, let's say you had grown to a party where your your girl knows everybody and you don't know anybody. Are you how do how do you make do? Oh, I love it, dude. I'm in there and I. It's just, I I think I'm a bit of a narcissist in this fact, but um, I don't know. For me, I just turn into like Showtime. You know, I go in there and I love to meet people and talk to others, and so it doesn't phase me one bit. I. I've made amazing friends because of going into parties and settings where I don't know anyone. Um, and like, you know, with meeting all my, my wife's friends and family, like I've gotten super close to them um, really quickly because of that reason. So yeah, for me, put me in a group where I don't know anyone. I, I don't, I don't really care. I um, always jump to the taboo topics first and my wife gives yeah. me a hard time. I go, That's well, uh, I want to meet somebody and say, so, uh, do you believe in God? What party, what <laughs> political party are you from? That's what I, yeah, those are my, that's what I want to know. I love it. Walk up with a drink to somebody and be like, hey, how do you feel about abortion? Yeah, I've, I do that. Yeah. I was at, uh, I was, it was actually at a Christmas party, uh, at my uncle's house. And then my cousin brought a date, which is fine. And we were talking about AOC, me and my other cousin were talking about yeah. uh, AOC when he walked in. So I asked him, I said, how do you feel about AOC? Because I don't know him, <laughs> but whatever. That's the point. Is I don't know what, right. what he stands. I ask him, and I'm open <laughs> to whatever his reaction is. See, people are, people avoid those topics because they're afraid of, they, they assume that the reaction is going to be negative. They assume that the right. person is going to go, oh, offense, and then we can't be together. And, and so, they're yeah, I guess that's what they're afraid of. They're afraid of, if you ask somebody what their religion is, then they might tell you that it's the one opposite yours, and now you guys have to fight, right? Because that's the ult- that's the ultimate end of different I love religions. I love that. Yeah. I love that these topics are so divisive that immediately you said it jokingly, but it's true. Mm-hmm. Is oh, you don't agree? Well, I guess we got to fight. Well, no, that's the old. That's the end of that position. If you believe yeah. anything different than what I believe, we have to fight about it because we're in. Yeah. We're on this bubble together, uh, right? Yeah. So yeah. people gotta- avoid the topics, but I like to get to the important things about this bubble, man. Yeah. I can't I can't lose track of it. I can't lose sight of it. We're floating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're little cart we're, we're little jelly, we're little jelly foam things know, floating right? around and it's all I can think about. And at any moment we can stop floating. Yeah. And then you wasted your whole life. And you're guaranteed to stop floating at some yeah. mo- at some moment. <laughs> yeah. Where do you exactly stand? That. Where do you stand on afterlife, on the soul and the spirit? Do you have a position on those? I do believe in an afterlife. Mm. Uh, I grew up I grew up Catholic and have since kind of moved away from it because of certain beliefs that the church overall has that I don't agree with. But and uh, wh- whether it's nostalgia or um, security, I do believe that we're going somewhere after. I don't necessarily know what it is exactly, but my view is when you go and you pass away, heaven is going to look a lot different for a lot of people. I just think it's whatever you idealize in your head, that's what it's going to be. And whether you're aware of it 100% or not, it's going to be better than, yeah, 
yeah, it's going to be better than what you have now. Interesting. Um, have you ever yeah. heard of Neville Goddard? I've heard of the name. I, I, I'm not familiar with him. So this was this um, apparently this American mystic who claims that the human imagination in its current form is living God and Christ. Uh, that's what he mm. claims. Yeah. And they, that's interesting. they called him the mystic of 18th street or something like that. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I've, I've listened to a bunch of his recordings. I bought one of his books. I haven't read it yet. Uh, yeah. Interesting. So is, dude. He, so is he, is he then theorizing or pontificating that your mind and imagination and your subconscious essentially is heaven on earth? It, no, he's saying explicitly that your human imagination, as it operates now, is God living. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's really interesting. Wow. So you, it's, it's almost like that. Um, who said it? I, I forget the philosopher, but it's um like that grand design kind of concept, right? Like. Mm. You have this creator, um, you know, it is randomized to an extent. There is the Big Bang that is 100% real, um, but there is some intelligent design behind it. And, mm. you know, like there's a clock that's ticking and it's wound by a certain entity. And what you do with the time while your clock is ticking is up to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, one principle that I... Uh, land on a lot is that it's it's real and it's happening it's we're definitely here and just by the the dent of it happening is gift is the gift because i didn't make it happen right right so that's that's the gift that it's happening at all because you didn't i didn't make it i didn't say let there be but I, but I am. Yeah. I didn't say let there be, but I am. And so that's the gift. You know, you are. That is the gift. Now, now, if you don't appreciate, if you, if you imagine, imagine if I made a child. Uh, this is Christian thinking, I think. Imagine if I made a child, and I said, "You are my child, and you'll live forever by my side." And they said, "Okay." And I said, "All you have to do is do what I say." And they said, "Okay." And the first thing they do is uh, mess up their room. When I told them not to mess up their room. I go, you just disobeyed me. I said, you're going to be by my side forever flawless. And the first thing you do is disobey me. So now you're going to die. And so that's the beginning. So the beginning of Genesis has a grip on my mind for part of what's going on here. Um, so, But I'm not I'm not a Christian. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a practicing Christian. That I, I don't claim that. Did but you, I grew, up, you grow in, up in the Christian. Very world? much. Very much. Yes. Yeah, which, so, which kind? Uh, Protestant. Yeah, read okay. the Bible for yourself. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay. okay. Other than Were that, other than that, it's any dom- denomination you want. Yeah, I was born again at 21, actually. Were you really? Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was when I was eight or teenager. I dis I uh, I fell out of God on my own when I was a teenager. But then when I was 21, I became born again Christian of my quote unquote of my own on my own. And it would, but you know, if I was born in Bangladesh, I probably would have been Hindu. If I was born in Right. You know, Tamil Nadu, I probably would have been following Sadhguru. And to the point, I'm actually on Sadhguru's tip now. I believe Sadhguru knows what's going on. But, uh, you know, and, and so I'm very interested to hear what Sadhguru says about the Bible. I've only heard little bits. 
where he just says, you know, it's one story, and then, then he invites Christians over. So Sadhguru really seems to know what's going on. But uh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's my, my trajectory. Wherever, wherever you would have grown up, you probably would have gravitated towards that religion anyway, yeah. which I think is true with a lot of people. And yeah. it that's why they're all so similar, all these faiths. Mm. Uh, I mean, the Quran, the Bible, um, the uh, um, the Torah. I mean, so much of the stories and, and the parables are almost identical. And then if you go even further with that, um, you break it down outside of, um, you know, traditional religions, the stories and parables go back to like pagan rites and rituals that the believers of this faith and leaders of the early churches um, utilize to help convert people of pagan belief and make them comfortable enough to relate to something that is written in, in their new text. So it's it's so interesting. Uh, I think there are some universal tenets that is kind of true for everyone, and people grab onto those and are going to skew them one way or the other to try and um, formulate some kind of belief that mm-hmm. makes sense to them and the region and the situation that's happening in that era. Like that's what really frustrates me about the Bible and like Christianity. It's like this text was written one not by jesus directly but by his followers Mm. and two don't you think jesus if he was alive right now and let's say jesus had you know everlasting life uh, in a physical sense not in a spiritual sense wouldn't jesus adjust and adapt right like Mm -hmm. someone who human would do because jesus is human and divine um would he continue to to lead a church that still believed in every single thing written in a Bible over 2000 years ago. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what gets me frustrated when people hold like the words of, of the Bible. So infallible. And it's like, uh, I think we're missing like the spirit of Jesus. Interesting. At this point, sure. You know? Yeah. And you know what? I see another, another failure in the modern Christian church when you can have so many, so many rich Christians. What? Right. What? That's not the yeah. book that I read. <laughs> I know. I know. What? Yeah. How can you I mean, be look, a multimillionaire, quote unquote, Christian, right. and you still got your tens of twenties of millions, and you're Christian, and you just your bank account is fat like that? Uh, that's not the right. Christian that I read. No. Yeah, like when Joel Austin was out there locking the doors of his church in Louisiana, real. When Katrina hit, protect you know? the carpets. We exactly. just got new like, carpets, dude. If Jesus we just alive, renovated, they're gonna make it stink. You, yeah, exactly. Exactly. If Jesus was alive and saw Joel Austin do that, oh my gosh, thunder and lightning, you know. Well, here's so here's here's some Neville Goddard for you. Neville Goddard says that Jesus did, Jesus is alive, and Jesus did adapt. He's in you. That's that's Neville Goddard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he that, he is that, alive, and he did adapt, and he's in us all. Is way too advanced for a lot mm, of people to get mm. and to follow and to get behind. See, you know, what, like, and the, that raises the question of then what? The, then, then, then does Jesus then go backwards and out to all the all the Indians that preceded him? <laughs> does he go backwards, right, to the I mean, to the I Indian think, yogis that uh, that woke up thousands of years before he came around? Yeah, I mean, I think I think in that regard, people need like this 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 rock, this like piece of stagnant this constant to help them get through things when their mm. life is falling apart, you mm. know? 
It's true. And so they find this their comfort in like this rigidity. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and I and change is hard anyway. Yeah. Especially when you're down on your luck and you're out, you know, and you see somebody else doing well. Um, so I think you're able to skew different words and different beliefs and especially within the Bible to try and vilify other people and victimize yourself all in the name of the most powerful deity in the world. Dude, that's that's power right yeah. there. And that yeah. that gets people mind warped into doing incredibly dangerous things like, you know, relinquishing the rights of people to marry the person that they love or thinking that. You know, if you're a Christian, you got to believe in having a gun and toting it around wherever you are. Um, it's it's really dangerous. So right. I, I think if people thought along the lines of Goddard, um, that would mean that you would have to find a lot of sense of security within yourself. Um, but I don't think as a country and as a people, we're, we're there. Um, so you got to have old standards to and you to have to take the to. whole package see a, whole, a thinker like that you have to take the whole package because it's not just those claims you can right. take those claims and take just like you can bastardize any text you can bastardize his text and say oh i've got this half of it and now i'm gonna run with it you know i'm right. always playing with trying to play with the ideas of others that i'm incorporating into myself into my own set of mental impressions and i try to keep track of just the fact that they're all other people's impressions, right? And I'm right. just as ignorant as I was when I was born. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm listening yeah. to you people. I don't know what's going on here. And that's a scary yeah. thing to to uh, to admit, and a very secure thing to admit that it, that you are ignorant because it means that you're open to the fact that something in your life that you've done or said or belief is wrong. Yeah. And, um, and we've got science, and, and we, I've got to go put a flag up here for science too. And I've got a I've got a bedrock belief that I don't flex for any person that I come across, and that's in the four fundamental forces of physics and the periodic table yes. of elements. It right. doesn't matter what you say to me about those things, right? Right. And I think <laughs> I'm going to lean, lean with the physicists and the chemists. Yeah, yeah. And like I think I think people need to realize that you can have this this mesh and this dichotomy between faith and science mm. but doing so means that you have to um go into your core beliefs mm. and admit that something in your belief system and in this case christianity that the bible is wrong yeah and then you, you know? have to choose some and then you want to choose something to be rigid and I offer this up for everyone. Choose the four fundamental forces of physics and the periodic table. You can say it in right. a sentence and you can rely on it for the rest of your life. It's easy. Right. Right. Listen, some shit is just real and it's valid and it's true, mm -hmm. you know, and thank God we have science for that reason. Um, but man, and it comes with automatic understanding, but you have, you will have to take something on faith. Right. And, and that's yeah. just every, you can't, you know, you have to take something on faith. And so the thing that I take on, if you want to call it faith, is from my limited understanding from city college to, to university, you know, I've got enough appreciation <laughs> of yeah. what physics and chemistry mean and really are that I don't have to question whether I'm making the right choice by having well, faith think, in understanding the, the physics yeah. and, the, and the chemistry as much as I can. You're absolutely right. But I think I think the problem with people getting down with science and physics and the tenets and the periodic table um, means that to understand something and right, a, a lot of people 
don't feel comfortable or find love or acceptance in something until they think they can understand it mm. means that you had to do a little bit of extra work. Like, so if you really want to believe in the four tenets of physics true, or in the periodic, true, it means that those people who are living without any understanding or any kind of relativity of physics or science need to spend a little time trying to understand it in order to become familiar with it to get to the point where they believe it. But it's a lot easier just to dig your feet in the sand and say, Mm-mm, yeah. I don't think so. God didn't create that. Man created science. God created the universe. You know, you just kind of dig in and you find another way to to be divisive towards something. Um, because it takes, again, some sort of awareness and um, humbleness to admit that something that you believe in or that you don't understand is is right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, but it's your beliefs, because I, I lost track of my mind earlier this year. Uh, it was out of my hands for a minute. You know how they say you lose your mind? Well, I mine slipped out of my hands. I've caught it, uh, but it was in yeah. the air. It was midair for a bit. And during that experience, the confidence that I felt in was and the clarity that I felt was unlike anything I could have imagined yeah. possible to feel before. You know, and and it was be- I think it was because I was kind of like breaking down as a machine. And yeah. so in the breaking down, I was experiencing something that I didn't know I could experience. Right. And so right. and that's and that's what happened. And so I've been trying to make sense of it for six months. Uh, it was wild. It was a combination of writing a book and taking a supplement that I didn't know was going to be so powerful and taking a lot of it and yeah. starting to work out at the same time. And I blew my own gourd. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was wild, man. I blew my gourd and I wrecked my credit simultaneously. Oh my gosh, can you imagine? Can you imagine? I'm lo- look, if it wasn't if it wasn't for my mother, I would have lost his apartment. Uh, yeah, or at least gotten real behind and had to do and had to you know do something right. something different. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't have been. I'm you know I'm settled now, but it was rough. It was rough for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and during those times where you're going through this, you know. uh this this journey did we ever interact when i was wigged out yeah we did yeah i remember you talking about your book um yeah and you'd saying listen i'm about to come up on some generational wealth <laughs> oh my gosh that's <laughs> what i said to you yeah yeah and i asked you i said oh that's cool <laughs> you wrote the book oh my gosh um, you have a publisher and he's like listen you don't need a publisher i'm my publisher amazon's my publisher yeah um, which to an extent, I guess, could be true. Um, but yeah, yeah man, true, you're fired yeah. up. You're fired up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I didn't know yeah. you well enough to tell you, like, all right, Kari, that that sounds a little crazy. Yeah, um, it's 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 crazy. Uh, I leg- I had the belief that simply by releasing the book that it was going to s- make billions of dollars because I released yeah. it. I was convinced. I was. Convinced. I got to believe and, and imagine that. A lot of these billionaires and millionaires who reach that like next level wealth do have that mindset though, but but I, I mean you, they do work. Like, you got to work at it. I have never made yeah. anything of quality. I mean, all my games are amateur. You know, my book is amateur. Everything I've done is amateur. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm not professional at anything yet. So yeah, gosh. I mean, I think. I think that I think it really though it does take a little bit of that I don't know I think of being ignorant by saying this but it takes some of that crazy 
to really just like create something because i think like bill gates and steve jobs and um they all had that kind of mindset where like this is going to work at any cost and uh, you know you yeah, and they work that. and they put the work in you know and they put the work yeah. in but like i think also some of those people have really have a safety net to 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 go crazy. True. Go I didn't know Elon was born as wealthy as he was. I've been learning oh a bit gosh. of that. He was kind of now he's worked yeah. harder than all of us, but he's also had a great start. I mean, who gets that start? Yeah. Him and him and Donald Trump. Donald Trump shows yeah. you how bad you can go with a great start, yeah. and then Musk shows you how good you can go with a great start. Right, right, and Musk also shows you how bad you can potentially go um, when the great start leads to extreme greatness where no one in your circle is telling you, Hey man, you're talking out of pocket a little bit too. So I think he's reaching that, that, that level of crazy. Maybe. Um, you think? I don't know. What, think ma- what makes you think that? I think he's getting to that point where he thinks he's, he has a little bit of that Messiah complex where he can literally say or do anything about which, which, which thing though, what makes you, what's, which saying, what, the, what did he say? I think him, I think he's getting too close and cozy to Donald Trump, which is making me a little scared. Um, uh, my political leanings are more on the left. Are they close and, and cozy? I don't know. You you got to break. I literally live under a rock. I'm sorry for being so yeah. duller. No, he, he, <laughs> he, is saying, he is saying things like, you know, he wants to buy Twitter, obviously. And I don't think yeah. it's in, it, it looks like it's in limbo right now. Yeah, yeah but it's it, been, been slow. Yeah, he's he's gonna he's gonna rescind the ban on Donald Trump. I do believe in free speech, but I think free speech has a cost. Hmm. And I don't think Twitter is a place for free speech because someone owns it. It's not public. Free speech means you can go and stand on a street corner that is owned by the government that is public land and you can spew any kind of nonsense you want. That's right. But free speech free speech also means free reaction. So like if, if you're going to spew nonsense, that's your freedom to do so, but you might get hit in the head. You know, you might get arrested, you might get jumped. Well, no, that's, um, that's not freedom of speech. Freedom of speech means you can say whatever you want, and I can say whatever I want. And you can stand on one street, one side of the street, and I can stand on another. We can point our bullhorns directly at each other and scream. But people don't realize that free that's speech freedom also speech means is. that there, but there are there are all, there are consequences. Just because you have free speech doesn't mean you can do anything without any kind of consequences either. You know. Um, well, but there's the there's, I mean, true, there will be consequences, but the consequences must come from primarily civility and you know consequences people can take the law into their own hands and say oh you cursed my mother i'm gonna shoot you with my pistol and that's not the right reaction that person needs to be arrested exactly but that is that is and can be a reaction to free speech um so people need to be aware but that's but i mean that oh i see what you're saying you're saying beware because some there are law violators out there (laughs) not every not everyone's going to respond to your speech with lawful this right so be careful right yeah and yeah and 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 just because you have the freedom of speech to do something doesn't mean that it's you know not coming from a safe place and that it's not dangerous so i think you know putting somebody in a platform like donald trump and these q and honors onto Mm. twitter which i Mm. think elon will do Mm. is innately dangerous and just because you can doesn't mean that you should i think Um, now i think that's fair uh bringing back back those people I'm, but I think the open source, if he really open sources it, I think that would take care of that. Because for all the Trumps and the QAnoners, there are so many more reasonable people that just sit down. But reasonable, reasonable people, 
reasonable people aren't loud and obnoxious like that. But we outnumber them, loud. and when when they get too loud and obnoxious, then there comes a reaction that overwhelms them. And, I, and so I have faith in our in our reasonable many, in our reasonable many that just sit down and do the work. Yeah, I just don't think Elon the is modders the guy. and the programmers. I don't think Elon is the guy to usher the reasonable many into the forefront in a situation like twitter no which is what scares me which is like is pulling me away from him Uh, but open Um, source though i didn't i didn't say elon would do it though but open source you don't believe in open source i don't know i don't i don't know enough about it but like Mm. just talking about like elon is entering that that messiah complex world and kind of teetering on that that alt-right world um it scares me knowing that he is that that powerful so um he's king of the world He's king of the world. Yeah, I mean, and his family has, has. I think he's the legitimate king of the world. <laughs> yeah, but I just think it's dangerous. I think it's dangerous mm. to an extent. I mean, his family has 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 a uh, background in apartheid in South Africa. Um, some blood mining down there. That's how they got their wealth and exploiting a lot of Africans. Mm. Um, he has tremendous wealth and tremendous power, and I don't know. I think. Yeah. I think the pendulum and the crazy. Now, here's the thing, though. He's got tremendous wealth. He's got tremendous power. And nobody gave it to him. Nobody gave him that power. He went out and got it. Yeah. Now, listen, I've been a huge. I was a huge Elon fan in the beginning. I think. And now in some of the stuff that he's doing, I think it's great to to have this kind of um, this drive to create like a renewable energy source and to do it in a relatively affordable price. Change the world. He's uh, to me. He's saved to me. He's saved. Uh, American culture. This is South African man. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But I think, I think he is getting towards that world where he's becoming more of like the extreme capitalist. Like Teslas are becoming like the new, you know, BMW. Mm-hmm. Um, and these Tesla bros and are, are really associated with certain types of wealth and certain types of people. I would love to see Elon focus, you know, primarily on uh, you know like the race to space, but do it in a way that is, you know, less catered to to the wealthy and the elite like Virgin Atlantic is doing and creating energy and with the, what is it with the, uh, the Tesla squares for um, solar, helping solar be more affordable. Mm. I can think he can do it. He's the mind to do it. He has the wealth to do it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just kind of see him venturing away from the Elon that I was like, damn, this guy really is going to save the world into, you know, just another capitalist, like a, like a Ford kind of guy. Um, Who's moving to the, you know, take what you can at any what cost. What do you think of the I hope, I hope rumors that he's cutting 10% of the Tesla workforce? I I think it's true. And I've I've heard that he is making it mandatory to work 40 hours in the office instead mm-hmm. of people working from home now. Yeah. And the only way you can work from home is if you've already put in 40 hours in person. So oh, I think that's toxic. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know that bit. Yeah, so it's toxic, man. Is he, it's, is he... I don't think it's toxic. I don't think that bit's toxic. I think he's spot on. I think he's saying the. I think he's saying the quiet part out loud. I think he's calling out the elephant. He's saying, you know what? People are getting lazy. That's what's wrong with the American culture. They aren't working. Nobody's working hard. So mm, I don't know. If, I don't know if people who are working in Tesla, creating these vehicles and these products, are like that. Though I think they can. They obviously have been able to work from home and be productive. I think it's just a matter of more and nothing is ever enough. Yeah, I see. Uh, so let me so let me ask you, see, I would tell you like this of the if you take 
a thousand people and make them work from home. They're currently 40 hours in the office. You take a thousand people, you make them work from home. I think if you take the average productivity, it will go up of that thousand. And the reason it will go up is because 20% of those people are going to just flourish. They're going to go, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. They're going to do so much more work and it's going to lift the average so high. And then you're going to have, let's say 50% that just do what they did before. And then you're going to have, I think, if I'm the math on the fly is bad. I want to do, let me see. I want to do 30% are going to do better. 50% are going to do the same. And 20% are going to do worse. They're just, they're not going to do enough. So I think most people will do I think most people do better? I guess I don't. I don't know. Is it 50-50? I think it's a wash. I think it's a wash either way. Because I think if you go back to in-person, you're going to have the same amount of numbers who are going to thrive. Maybe it matters on the job and not just the individuals. Maybe. I don't know. I think so. But I think, but I think, I think, I think he's think smelling the, the blood in the water. The people are going home and being lazy. I don't know. I think it's the same. I really do. I think the people, there's a percentage of people. I'm not going to get into the math. There's a percentage of people who, when they work from home, spend too much time on Netflix. And those people might be better suited in the office. There's a percentage of people who are probably, you know, phenomenal at what they do, but maybe have um, a better sense of security and need a comfortable space to work in, and they mm. thrive at home. Mm. And there's a percentage of people who are just going to be the same. Nothing's going to change for each of them. So I don't think it changes necessarily one way or the other. I think the people who do well in one situation are going to thrive. The people who don't aren't and, the and people that would be hard that would be way. almost that'd be so difficult to gather that information because the people who aren't the people who are being lazy by the very nature of the activity are have to hide it <laughs> yeah but i right? think i don't know i i i think he's i think part of this is control i think a lot of corporations are doing this um obviously the world's functioning very well people working from home consumerism and capitalism is remember, remember when we first so i've been actually been work from home so i got switched with the tech group and the remember the first wave of oh we're gonna have to do monitor keys and right. camera all the time and stuff like that <laughs> there was a push for that no way yeah. dude no and way. i think we found that you don't need it i mean people i mean listen people are motivated at keeping their jobs so they can feed themselves yeah so i think the people who were gonna get fired for slacking off at home are the same people who are going to get fired for slacking off at work. That's a good point. You know, yeah. and I don't think it changes. I don't think it moves the needle one way or the That's other. I think it's control hmm. at this point hmm. okay. and, and, and wanting people to work more. So if I got to see you for 40 hours and make you work, I know you're not going to get all your shit done because think, there's too much that goes on in, in a, in a workplace. There's meetings, there's water cooler talk, there's lunch, you know, and then I need you to go back home and work again um because you you're not going to get your work done but i can see you and i feel good about seeing you yeah. because i'm the boss and i'm the ceo and this is how things used to work um and i i have that sense of control i think it's outdated i think it's passé i think part of it is that he's realizing how much more work he's done than everyone else and it's kind of pissing him off <laughs> I don't know i think Maybe. he's been working so much harder than everyone else for so long He's so far front. He's looking back. He's going, what the fuck, dude? Are you guys going to help? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's the yeah. case. Right? No, I think, I think no, I think it's I am so wealthy. I want to be even more wealthy. Um, things are working great now, but I'm not happy. I can never be satisfied. 
So I what? See, I don't what think he puts money I first. I don't think he puts money first. I don't think he. Yeah. I don't think, I think he, he puts, puts money uh, first culture prior. First. I think he does now. Nah, he's not worried about culture anymore. You don't think he's worried about culture? I think he's still worried. I think he puts culture first. I think he puts society and culture first. And then he says, no. we're going to so build a business on the back end, but first we're going to help. I think we have two different concepts of the culture that you're talking about right now. I think the culture. Which is what entrepreneur you're culture. About. American entrepreneurship. I think. Or the I think he doesn't give a damn general, about not just American. Anyway, he doesn't care human, about like the man. culture of his workplace, but he cares about maybe the culture of the world. But I don't know. I think Elon is just jumping the shark, if you will, mm, into mm. like typical corporate the CEO death throws. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like Bezos becoming... when he started suing, trying to sue everybody. Yeah, what the hell are you exactly. doing, Jeff? Go yeah, retire. He's, he's Go getting, sit down yeah, somewhere. He's, <laughs> uh, yeah, Elon. Elon, I think is is moving away from um, you know Elon Musk. Um, you know, person who is inspired by Nikolai Tesla into Elon Musk, the person who's inspired by, you know, Fortune 100 billionaire. Sure. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. What do you think of Apple on their whole privacy thing? Do you think they're legit? I don't know. Man. Talking about not trying bit. to profit on our data and taking a stance? I think with all tech in that regard, um, you just got to be realistic and know that they're going to profit from you one way or the other. Mm. And I need tech. I like the iPhone. Everything that I do at work is optimized for the iPhone. Listen, they're probably selling my data. I don't honestly give a shit. Really? Yeah. Your data is valuable, it, Adam. Your data is very valuable. And there are a lot of I people know. making a lot of money off it, and you're not seeing a dime. But what am I going to do? Like get a get a flip phone no it's it's there's get with andrew yang in the forward party there's a whole movement about making sure that our data the value for our, my data comes back to me m- primarily yeah instead of facebook I'm just profiting first spending, i'm just i know i'm just not spending too much time thinking about it to mm, be honest mm. oh Yo, yeah your data is valuable they figured it out I data agree. is gold it's good they figured it yeah. out man and they're profiting well, that's why they're able to offer things like discord for free you know, or is Discord um, data? But anything, anything. You just using Discord as an example. Now I've never even Discord. thought of Discord as data. What data are they but, selling? I don't. Have, there aren't any ads. But Discord's making money somehow, right? You know what? This is a good question for Google. So how are they making money? Yeah, how does they got to be getting Discord data from somewhere and selling it? Money. It's a good question. It's a good yeah. question. It's Discord makes run- money from its Nitro subscription packages. Other sources of inc- income oh. include server boosting as well as fees it receives from games sold on its servers. The core app remains free of charge, meaning users only pay when trying to access <laughs> premium features. Okay. Well, I hope that's true. That's uh, according to Product Mint on January 19th, 2022. Look at us just fact checking right here mid podcast. That's pretty good. No fact checks at all. That was a Google search <laughs> and reading Google's recommended results that took it seven tenths of a second to get me. Have you ever so. listened to Mike Rappaport's podcast? Mike Rappaport, no. Oh, it's so good. Um, I love it. But his thing in there is always like we don't fact check. We're 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 talking smack on the podcast. We're talking smack, and it's true in that moment. We don't fact check. Sure. Well, I, you know, we've got this externalized brain. Might as well use it. Uh, the last one of the last positions I struck. Now, this was during while I was mine was lost, but I guess I have to chew on see if there's anything there. Was to protect Google because Google 
And whatever AI they devise in-house is probably going to be the central brain of whatever the next thing we build is as a species. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, whatever they've done to get the algorithm to read the Internet the way it reads it, we need that algorithm. That If that, oh, yeah. al- if that algorithm dies in the fire, we lost a lot. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So we need the algorithm. Maybe yeah. not in the hands of the people that it's in, but that code needs to be protected. That's true. That's true. I just like going back to your, your data thing. And I mean, yeah, the whole Andrew Yang forward party is legit. I'm with it. But I mean, what do we do until then? You know, I mean, I'm not going to no until we can do it things. now. Andrew Yang's already got the party started. Uh, I'm an unofficial member in California. I just yeah. I just can't wait to register for him. Yeah, I I hope there's some feasibility and some some strength behind his campaign because a lot of guys like that fall by the wayside, but I believe in Andrew Yang. I like what he's doing. Are you are you lukewarm on basic income? Are you positive on it or negative on it? I'm positive on, on yeah. basic income. I mean, I think people are afraid for for the reason that they think people are going to get ahead and they're looking for a scapegoat. They like having a scapegoat, mm. but people mm. who live in certain areas and look a certain take. way. That's interesting. Um, but, you know, Basic income is not going to turn somebody into a millionaire or, or somebody who's That's poor right. into somebody who's wealthy. That's it's just right. going to keep them off the street. That's it. And if you're so fired up about homelessness and you don't like seeing people that's on the it. street and that's why you're moving out of L.A., yeah. then you need to shut up and take basic income like an adult yeah, and realize that this is a grander way to solve a bigger problem. So I'm with it. It's yes. going to keep people – It's going to. there's so many people who live from paycheck to paycheck and they're one – disaster away one bill away from losing everything we're we're not we're not providing basic dignity to our poor citizens because we say we can't afford it as a nation exactly how we 100 can how shameful with all this money floating around with a 300 billion dollar guy on top we can't afford a tax that we all share the burden for to make sure that nobody well, I mean, is sleeping on mean, the streets. Think, Come on. I think California can do it now without even raising taxes. We have such a surplus right now that we can start utilizing a basic income kind of program but, without but, raising any taxes. But the, th- the other side, the other edge of that sort of California instituting a basic income tax on our own, which we can't afford, is the attract. Is, look, we are we're already attracting the nation's homeless. Yeah. You want to attract them t- 10 times over? There are 50 states out there. Right. If they all yeah. if we had into the basic income, we'd attract. But but then the other side of that is, isn't that what California is? The microcosm is. of and America think, that was meant to I attract think, your destitute and your trodden. Yeah. And then in the like long run, in the generational view, we flourish like we California is always in the future anyway. For reasons exactly. such as that. But I think you can solve that relatively easily. You can make a basic income program and you roll it out to those who have lived in California for more than five years first. And, and then that's you have instant. A, that's your instant bureaucracy. Your instant bureaucracy. So here's how here's how I would try to get around the bureaucracy. I would collect names of the people in a flash, right? I would flash collect the the socials because you got to have a social security number. You can't get it, mm-hmm. right? So I would flash collect the social security numbers and say these are the only numbers. You can leave the list, but you can't get on it. And then we run the program for ten years, or you know something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I. I think you hit up everybody right away. Um, and I think you include it to people who don't have socials either, but have like TINs, like temporary identification numbers too. 
because um, they're paying into the system already with income Are they? tax. I don't know. I would defer to an expert on that. I would be. Well, I'm I mean, mainly protecting if, against citizens versus non-citizens, right? Only I think, citizens I think in California should get a basic open up to everyone because I think there's this. There's this. Um, wait, wait. Are you saying more than citizens? Yeah, I think I think immigrants who are here that should should have some kind of um, program that is similar. Maybe it doesn't have to be the same, but. There are so many people here who make the economy and the world tick and move forward. Um, I, I hear that. Something. I can't. Get, I can't get with it because then there's no. You have to draw the line somewhere. So if you say only people who lived here, then you have to collect all the addresses and names of people that don't even have socials. It's no. I think you use, you use tins, temporary identification numbers. So people who are not, um, but then uh, who citizens yet. So what is this? Yeah. So no, then that's to me that makes you off the rolls. If you've got a ten, then that means you don't get it. I think I think yeah. you give people with the with the, with the ten too. Um, I mean, they're paying into the system anyways already. Mm. Or or you say you know we have a fast track way to get you know citizenship status. I would um, have citizenship be a little bit faster. It's currently seven. I try to get yeah. it down to five. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean overall, yes, I do. I do believe in the basic income tenant, and I think it's okay. necessary. Yeah. Nice. It's nice to have a subtle conversation about basic income <laughs> with someone who's already pro. Talk about that. I didn't be. know about the 10. Now, now I hadn't thought about it. But the stance that I always took was citizens. I say because yeah. you have to draw the line somewhere, right? If if we say, yeah. oh, it's citizens and if you live here, well, then people just say, oh, I live there. Then it's race. Uh, I don't know, man. I think I go a little further and go outside of people who are citizens, too. Because, I mean, if you're – listen, you grew up in L.A., right? Mm-hmm. I grew up in LA. The economy in LA moves on the back of people who don't have papers. This is true. Like your your house cleaners, your cooks, your drivers, your, yes, everybody. But we're also operating under the assumption that if that's the life you're living in Southern California, if it's because you don't have citizenship, then we're operating under the assumption that that is better. For a choice for you than whatever life you came from, where you do have citizenship. Yeah, I right? get that to an extent. You're choosing but I just think that. It's, Be aware. I think it's hypocritical, though. I do think it's hypocritical because it's like it's almost like separate but equal. No, tenant. no, because I do support citizenship in closer to five years. So if you come over here without papers and say, hey, I want to be a citizen, but then you apply, and yeah, you wash dishes, you clean floors for five years until you get papers. And then once you get citizenship, then you get then you're fully in. And so I think that's the, the a nice medium ground is to say you don't get fully in just by showing up. You don't get all the benefits just by showing up. But you put your work in for five years and you get benefits. Well, people people who have those tins aren't getting a tin immediately when they show up illegally either. You know? Yeah, well, like, that would, a, tin, a tin to me would be, you know, part of the process, part of the steps. Right. But like it's still temporary. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's got to be something one way or the other. But I don't know. I just think we open it up to more people than just citizens. That's big hearted of you. That's big hearted of you. It is, man. I mean, I think I'm a utilitarian and an optimist at hmm. heart. Um, and I think. If now, I would say that it now wouldn't you say, I guess is a way to ask. Wouldn't you say that even if a, be a benefit went out only to citizens in L.A., it would have a indirect secondary benefit to those uh Non-documented citizens, right? Or I don't not think so. That doesn't think, make any sense. Non-documented so. people. I don't think so. 
I you don't think it would have a secondary benefit to them where they're because somebody in their really. family, I bet you the kids are citizens. Maybe they've maybe. got maybe they got two kids that are citizens. Yeah, right? maybe that way it does. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, anything is better than nothing. Something's better than nothing. Something's better yeah. than nothing. I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you. Yeah. Well, we're yeah. two Southern California liberals then. <laughs> I know, right? I know. Neither one of us like Donald Trump. Except I would let him come back to open Twitter and you wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You keep him on Truth Social. I would keep him on on 4chan. Nice. Do you listen to Breaking Points with Crystal and Sager? I don't. I just ended my subscription because I can't afford it anymore. I got a year and my year ran out. And it was a lovely year. And as soon as I get more enough money, I'll get back on. No, no, I'm not familiar with them at all. Yeah, see, he's uh, she she's liberal. He's conservative, and she is kind of like Bernie Sanders liberal, kind of like Bernie Sanders AOC, mm-hmm. okay. you know, for the for yeah. the people. And yeah. uh, he is conservative, but here's the thing: he's family values conservative. Now, in the eighties, oh, okay. in the eighties, he was fed the lip service of family values, which we all understood at the time was code for non-white, right? That's what family right. values always right. meant. It meant non-white. Uh, right. But he grew up in that as a brown person thinking that they meant what they meant on the surface. <laughs> mm-hmm. And as he became an adult, he said, what, what are we about yeah. money? It's like, what? Yeah. I thought we were about family. So he says, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to make the conservative and the Republican party about family again, really about family. And he, and they both fight for the common. So I absolutely love Crystal and Sager. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I got to check it out. You ought to uh, show me their, uh, their stuff. Yeah. Their yeah. I'll text it to you. I'll text it to you. Well, I appreciate yeah. cool. you coming on Adam. I know you got a hard stop. Yeah, yeah, I got to go and show some property right now, actually. Great. I got to go to Pasadena area, so got a little bit of a drive here. Be careful. <laughs> Be careful. And, and imagine, your, imagine your home as you drive by it. I wish you success in that. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Thank you. My pleasure. Enjoy the day. All right, man. You too. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye.